Welcome back to the History of the Barbarians podcast, Season 1, Episode number 12, titled Here Come the Hunts. My name is Josh Hirschman, and we are here to continue our journey through the barbarian history with our story of the Goths. When we last spoke, our beloved Goths were dealing with the newfound peace with their Roman neighbors, where they were able to resume trade and try to get back to prosperity in the early 370s. We are now visiting the Huns for the first time in our show, but it will certainly not be the last. If you remember back during episode one, Gothic Origins, the origination story for our heroes included several legends that could have included magic bridges. The Huns' origins are even more confusing and mysterious than the Goths' story. We know that the Huns came somewhere from the Eurasian steppe, that great grassy space that stretches from the edge of Europe in the west to Mongolia in the east, Russia in the north, and China to the south. One of the problems with trying to find the homeland of the Huns is that they, like many of the barbarians we've discussed already, did not write things down. Once again, the lack of letters has hampered our quest in knowledge. The most probable area of origination is modern-day Kazakhstan, but that cannot be 100% confirmed. Jordanus, our 6th century writer, had a great story about where the Huns came from and how they came about. Jordanus states, We learn from old traditions that their origination was as follows. Philomere, king of the Goths, son of Gaderic the Great, who was the fifth in succession to the, hold the rule of the Getai, after their departure from the island of Skanza, found among his people certain witches. Suspecting these women, he expelled them from the midst of his race and compelled them to wander in solitary exile afar from his army. There the unclean spirits, who beheld them as they wandered through the wilderness, bestowed their embraces upon them, and begat this savage race, which dwelt, at first, in the swamps, a stunted, foul, puny tribe, scarcely human and having no language save one which bore slight resemblance to human speech. So this passage from Jordanus is basically saying that the Goths expelled their witches, and they bred with some sort of foul, puny tribe, and the offspring of that were the Huns. So the Huns came to the doorstep of the Goths for several reasons, or at least we hypothesize several reasons. First, the Huns could have been forced out of their ancestral lands by some stronger force. This means that whoever forced the Huns out is scary because the Huns would go on and strike fear into people all around the world for 1,500 years. Americans were worked up about so-called Huns during World War I and the recruiting process, where they connected the Germans falsely with the nomadic Huns. The British, the French had done this also. So the Huns had been striking fear into people way past their actual existence. In reality, the Huns could have been closer to a flock of refugees that were trying to fight for their survival against an unknown mighty force and just happened upon the Goths plain bad luck for our friends, the Goths. Now, another theory is that there was an economic incentive that drew the Huns to the Pontic Steppe. This theory is plausible as any other, because the Steppe had ample grazing lands for the nomadic Huns, and rich peoples that were tied into the economic machine of the Mediterranean Sea-based Roman Empire. The lure of the riches possessed by the Goths from this relationship with, with Rome could have proven too enticing for the Huns. Ultimately, it could have been a combination of these two theories that were the impetus for the Huns' movement. What we 
don't debate is that the Huns were the cause and the effect was the mass movement of not just the Goths, but many of our Barian friends that make up our storyline. There are not many details that we can rely on in terms of battles or movements that these groups took during this time period. Sources are scant and unreliable. The Kruthungai actions at this time are hard to tell, including the next couple of years for them. What we do know is that the Tervingai will come into contact with the Roman emperors and armies again to make history. But this is what we think might have happened. Most of the next part comes from various Peter Heather materials, which Peter Heather is by far the academic that is the most respected or most widely read uh, in this area. So the Huns defeated the Elans, who were situated on the grassy steppes of the lands north of the Caucasus Mountains in between the Don and the Volga Rivers, and were defeated sometime between 370 and 375 CE. The Elans fled west across their former boundary, the Don River, into Grudungai territory. The Huns' leadership structure is a mystery to us at this point, but it seems that smaller bands or tribes of Huns are the scouting or raiding parties of, for the main body. It is these tribes that will chase the Elans into Gothic territory. The main part of the Huns will not come until much later on. A man named Ermineric was a leader of the Grudungai at this time, and would be in charge of repelling the Elans who are fleeing, the Huns who are invading, or the Huns and their new Elanic allies who are invading also. Either way, Ermineric is failing and resigns. And a bit of an aside here, but there is a report, and Heather postulates, that Ermineric may have given himself up for sacrifice to the gods because the gods were unhappy with his leadership and he needed to be sacrificed to satisfy the gods' lust or want for, for human sacrifice. Which, if this is true, that is an incredibly intense story, an incredibly in intense decision for Ermin Eric to make, but obviously we have no way of knowing. So, as the Huns move across the Elans territory, the Sarmatians territory, which is in the same Pontic Steppe region, and work their way into the Grutungai territory... It is important, again, to remember that they are not a single entity moving across the Eurasian steppe. Uh, they do not operate under the single command of, say, Attila the Great's grandfather or great-grandfather. I think it would be helpful to think of them like the Goths, and that they are a people that share cultural traditions and probably language, but they have divisions amongst themselves politically that enable them to work in smaller independent groups. So we see the collapse of the Gothic world by the invasion of multiple invading forces that grow in strength and the Huns ally themselves with many of the people that they conquer and continue to move forward. The main body of the Huns will not actually make its way into Europe proper for decades after these events. In fact, we will see a large invading force of Huns attack Roman lands in the east through the Caucasus Mountains east of the Black Sea. This evasion, which takes place in 395, will penetrate well into Roman Anatolia and further devastate the wealth and power of the eastern portion of the Roman Empire. So after Ermineric gets dead, Vithamir, his successor, takes over only to die in battle shortly after. Remember, this is still the year 375, and we are in the area of modern Ukraine between the Don and Dniester rivers, just north of the Black Sea. Alathius and Saphrax 
are the names of two guys who take over for part of the Grutungai as they try to defeat the Huns. These two new leaders decide to get out of the Pontic steppe business and head to the Dniester River that serves as the boundary between the Tervengai and the Grutungai. Most of the Grutungai do stay and fight longer with the invading Huns, but will be defeated and subjugated by them shortly. The Tervingai initially try to repel the fleeing Grutungai, but they themselves would be attacked by the Huns as the Huns work their way around the Dniester River. Othanaric, who is the main leader or reek of the Tervingai, retreated back into modern-day Romania to a better fortified position with his Tervingai into the Carpathian Mountains. In the mountains, Athanaric will build up an already established former Roman defense to prepare for the future onslaughts by the Huns and their allies. Some of the Tervingai are not going to be happy with Athanaric's mountain defensive plan. A good number of this group of Tervingai would leave Athanaric and follow two men, one named Alavavis and another named Fritigern, and approach the Danube to seek help from their official friend, Rome. Just a reminder that Rome and the Tervingai had just fought a war in the 360s and had settled that war into uh, what we thought was an established peace where the Goths would be able to trade with the Romans and they were officially allies again at this point. So meanwhile, the Grutungai head to the Danube seeking Rome's help like their cousins, the Tervingai, led by Saprax and Alvesis. So this puts us with a large number of Goths, both Tervingai and Grutungai, a bunch of Sarmatians and Alans that had also uh, worked into these groups. They amassed in different camps along the imperial border of the Danube River, seeking the safety of the Roman legions. It would be helpful to point out that throughout most of history, armies only fought during the summer months because of the weather conditions and much of the rest of the year were difficult to contend with. Therefore, if we are to believe our sources and evidence pointing to this succession of events for the Grutungai, the amount of change and chaos in these people's lives in just several months is overwhelming. Now, there is an account stating basically the resistance against the Huns could have lasted several years, but... Either way, whether it was several years or just a couple months, these people have been attacked by a mysterious horde of horsemen out of nowhere to them. At least two of their leaders have been sacrificed to the gods or killed in battle. You've left your homeland that you've always known and fled to a region seeking the help of a foreign power with a very strained relationship over the years with you. Any society is going to be reeling from these events, and therefore the people camped on the dangerous side of the Danube River in the spring of 376 CE, were in a desperate state as they waited permission to cross into the Roman territory. The Tervingai and the Kratungai sent emissaries to Constantinople to request safe passage into Roman lands from Emperor Valens, who was the Emperor of the East. When the emissaries got to Constantinople, they were told that Valens was in Antioch and you need to go another 500 miles to talk to him. While these emissaries took over a month to negotiate passage for the whole group with Valens in Antioch, the group of people waiting on the banks of the Danube are nervously looking to the north and east, watching for Huns. Fortunately for them, the Huns were busy consolidating power north of the Black Sea and Caucasus Mountains. They were organizing the people who stayed behind and attacking Athanaric and his Trevingai near the Carpathian Mountains. 
We should also note here that not everyone on the Pontic steppes evacuated to the Danube. The Goths, both Grutungi and Tervingi, Sarmatians and Alans, all remained in their homes, or good portions of them remained in their homes. Other groups of Goths will become involved in raids on Roman lands a decade later. Most of the people of the Pontic Steppe will join or at least ally themselves with the Huns when the main body of Huns actually comes around a generation later. Additionally, we do see the Gothic language persist in this region. In the Crimea Peninsula, we have Gothic communities speaking the Gothic language all the way up until the 19th century before it finally dies out, which is 1,500 years after our events. Okay, so back to Antioch. Valens negotiates with Gothic emissaries a deal to allow the Gothic hordes into the Roman province of Lower Moesia, which, as a reminder, this is something that Rome has done many times, and it is a great way to increase the size of armies, to increase the tax base, and to repopulate areas that have been uh, depopulated for various reasons, including warfare, which we know that the Goths and the Romans had been to war several times through the course of our story so far. And Lower Moesia is a great place to put the Goths as they uh, do need to populate that area to build the tax base. So the Goths would obviously get the safety of the Roman legions and a defensive line at the Danube to protect them from the Huns. The Romans get much out of this deal as well. Valens saw this as a way to extract gold from the refugees and promises of many soldiers for generations to come for those said legions. Valens was eager to get this deal done and allow the Goths into the empire. So our Goths began to cross the Danube into safety. So imagine the relief that the Goths would be thinking that they found. They made it. They lost many leaders, brethren, homes. They traveled hundreds of miles, all while in fear And in the matter of less than a year, they finally made it to a safe place that they can live out their lives in peace as Roman citizens. But as they cross the Danube, they are first ushered into camps on the Roman side of the Danube. This is an ominous sign for our heroes, as we know throughout history, when they start putting people into camps, trouble lies ahead. So this is where we'll leave our story until next week. We will pick up with the story of how the Romans figured out a way to sour this happy ending for the Goths. And we will continue on our journey to the great battle of Adrianople, which is one of the more famous battles, not just in Roman history or certainly Gothic history, but in world history. So this week's episode uh, included some areas that I will post some maps for. And I'll be sure to post a couple pictures of some of the heroes that we talked about today. And again, this is uh, always a work in progress. So I would like to encourage you to send some feedback. There is the History of the Barbarians at Gmail, uh, if you'd like to email me. There is the Twitter account, History of the Barbarians. You certainly can leave an iTunes uh, rating. The good ones help us find other listeners. And check out the Facebook page at History of the Barbarians. So until next time, I want to thank you for listening, and I will see you then.